This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Continuing on Take Command. All right, Logan, that was a great conversation with Warren. What's your biggest takeaway from that strategy, something specific to the commanders, whatever it is? Like, what's, what's the big one? Well, I think he just did a really good job of encapsulating what football is becoming. Like, this is stuff that, like, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned on the show, but Kyle has talked about a lot of these principles, like, when I was in his system, especially when I was in San Francisco, you know, the importance of first and second down, and how third down, while that is a money down, that is a critical element of the game, and you need to be successful there to win football games, first and second down puts you in a good position to be successful on third down. Kyle used to say, like, if it's second and eight, and we have a seven-yard play, and it's third and one. The entire playbook is at our disposal for third and one. We're not in our third down calls, necessarily. We're not in our third and fives. We're not in our third and sixes. We're not in our third and tens, which are very unique calls on the call sheet, right? Which are a much smaller percentage of your overall playbook. And for him to say we have 100% at our disposal, I think is a really forward-thinking philosophy, right? And then if you can avoid, avoid third downs by kind of staying on rhythm as a play caller, when you watch good offensive drives, they only have maybe two or three third downs like in that series. There, there will be a third down. It's an inevitability. But I think that's really interesting. And then also I think the thing you brought up about first down, if you don't trust your quarterback taking advantage of that, to me that is such good thinking, right? Because literally every single play is at your disposal. You have runs. You have play actions. You have keepers. You have screens. You have quick game. You have your five-step. You have your uh, – Seven-step dropback, it's all there for you. And the defense is, and you have an advantage over the defense because they, they know they have to defend all of that spectrum. Now, you know, they have certain tells based on formations and things like that. But I think that is the way the game should be going. And people should be thinking about the game. And that is, is really exciting to hear that analytic side of that. And the other thing, sorry, this is a long talk here. But the other thing is, is a lot of my observations, a lot of my feelings, a lot of those kind of things that you intuit when you watch the games and you watch the film, he had numbers associated with that. Like the offensive line thing I thought was really interesting because the offensive line is always graded super high, but I'm always like, I don't think the, the group production is that high to warrant a top five grade necessarily. So that stuff was really cool to see how he was able to kind of parse out certain elements of the game and kind of get to a position where I was, where I, I believed the team actually is, just from kind of breaking down the numbers, which is incredibly hard to do, I would imagine. Yeah, the way he combines film study and numbers and kind of his process, I'm glad that we asked about that and, and that he gave a really cool insight into that because it does have to match up. You can have an intuition yeah. or you can see numbers, and if it doesn't match up with what you're seeing, then you need to figure out, like, what's the hole right. in your formula. Um, I, I think that the... 
the red zone stuff and the third down stuff is is just really fascinating to me because yeah. you know he said like if you're bad on like if I'm looking back the teams that were bad in the red zone are at the bottom of the standings the teams that are bad in third down are bottom of the standings but let's say you're looking at 2020 numbers trying to and then comparing them to 2021 it's not as straight of a line and so as a predictive yeah. measure as he's looking ahead it's like oh no no, no. these teams that have a good process are the ones that are ultimately going to get results. And I, and I think that's fascinating circling back uh, to what you were saying though, um, on the first down quarterback thing. And I remember this with Dwayne here and and obviously talking about Dwayne always now feels weird in in a very different context because we tragically lost him. But just speaking like pure football, pure quarterbacking, um, when he was here, like that was something I didn't really understand and something that was a huge fight behind the scenes, I think. And like when I say fight, I, I don't mean to overdramatize it, but like these are the kinds of disagreements that happen in, in offensive meeting rooms. So like it's a work disagreement. It is what it is. But between like Kevin O'Connell, who's far more new school and, and you know, more of a Kyle Shanahan type of thinking and Bill Callahan, who was Mr. Old School run the football is like to protect Dwayne, we have to run him first down. And Kevin would be like, no that's when the coverage is going to be most predictable. And I think that's right. something that it took me a while to understand covering the league and like really diving into the film is the reason you get so many exotic blitz looks on third down and you don't see that self on first and second down is because players like linebackers, let's say who are blitzing or DBs that are blitzing don't have a run responsibility. They don't care right. if it's third and nine, you're not getting run on. And so because of that, you can play defense differently and it becomes way harder the, for the quarterback to figure out one, where the pressure is coming from and two, what the coverage is because it oftentimes becomes this like mixed exotic kind of look that doesn't neatly fit into what you're supposed to do against quarters or cover two or cover three. And obviously you experience that from the tight end position and trying to figure out what route you're supposed to run or the angles that you're coming out on. Like you talked about on the last podcast, it's like your quarterback might want you on to do this on cover three. And you know that, but if it's like, yeah cover four and a half because what the hell are they doing on third down like good luck getting on the same page and getting open and having the quarterback read it the same way and all that kind of stuff and so I think that's such an astute point by Warren that is backed up by the data that a lot of younger coaches I think are 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 get it taking like they get it right and because it's logic and but I think it just goes so far against the grain or so intensely against the grain of the way football has been thought about for years and years and years and years that a lot of coaches and executives still really, really struggle with the idea that the way to protect someone is to let them be more aggressive. Yeah, and it's not even, I don't even know if it's letting the player be more aggressive, but I think it's letting the play caller be more aggressive is the thing right. that really comes That's out really of it, well right? Is, is when the play caller is more aggressive it 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 dictates certain things to the defense right so like i just think back to the first game of last year's season with um when the chargers came out here and the way they called the game was so fantastic because it kept the defense totally reactive right they were able to kind of run a little bit of quick game run a play action run a screen and they did that all on first and second down and everyone's like why isn't the pass rush getting home why can't they do anything there it's because the the rushers the defense had no opportunity to just kind of say, this is going to be a pass. And the play caller for them, Lombardi, did a great job of kind of just keeping everyone unsettled. And I think that is something that is is really, really fantastic to kind of keep in perspective, is is the play caller needs to be dictating to the defense, not the other way around. Because you mentioned the third down thing, and I will tell you, 
a third down meeting in the NFL feels like a fight for your life. Because they've got these crazy blitz packages, they've got all these crazy blitz patterns, they've got these crazy coverage shells, because they know that they can basically do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want from a coverage standpoint. It's like seven on seven on steroids, third down in the NFL. And like you mentioned, linebackers don't have responsibilities. And one of the things that Brandon Staley, who's a very forward-thinking coach, said that I think is very astute, it's like, well, why would you ever run the football if there's all this statistical prevalence to throwing, to, to, to throwing the ball? And he said, I want linebackers and defensive linemen to think and have to spend time in the week learning how to defeat blocks. And that's exactly what you're doing on, on third down is you're removing that completely from the table and you're letting all these freak athletes do what they want. Like I remember being in the Blitz meeting just being like, holy cow, Like how do you see this? And they can do that structurally because there's nothing else going on. Like There's no run. There's nothing else. You've got to get 10 yards. And it gets a little bit crazy. So I, I think it's a very astute observation. And, and the smart guys that I was around, Kyle, Sean, Mike McDaniel, did a great job of understanding that. And they, they, did they prep the hell out of third down? Absolutely. But did they prep first and second down almost just as much, which is a very unusual thing to do? Yes. I think that, that, that needs to be drawn home. It's like how important those early downs are for success. And you brought up an interesting statistic. I don't want to butcher it. But second down runs after an incomplete pass for the commanders, I think, is a very telling statistic. Yeah, so Dan or, uh, Warren was, was tweeting about this this morning. And, and again, Warren's book is available, and it has all kinds of stuff on, you know, from statistics like this to team-specific stuff to league trends. But the, the one that he was tweeting out this morning was second down run rate after an incompletion. So first and 10, incomplete, come back at second and 10. What are you doing? Best teams in the NFL, Tampa, Cincy, Kansas City, 11%, 18%, 21%. Those are the lowest three rates, which I would argue are the best three rates in the league. And this the best, is, yeah. by the way, just in the first half of games, because as Warren talked about, second half strategy changes. Washington is tied for fourth highest along with Minnesota and Chicago at a whopping 64%. The other teams above them, Tennessee, which actually makes sense because it's like, ah, first down, incomplete. Let's give it to Derrick Henry, third and three. (laughs) Um, And then you've got Detroit at 66% and the Giants at an absolutely hellacious 70%. They were running on second and 10 after an incompletion. But Washington at 64%, almost two-thirds of the time, which means that you are, one, strategically inferior, and two, predictable, which is like the two worst things you can be. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. And again, like that's one of those things where you'd say, oh, we need to get back to third and manageable. But the best way to do that is to not be super predictable. Like Look at the, look at the, the three offenses that you mentioned are probably some of the, they're definitely in the top five in terms of offensive production, in terms of not being predictable after an incomplete pass. And they trust their quarterback. They do a lot of different things. And that's a big element of this. And hopefully Carson Wentz bring, brings an element of trust to this offense that allows them to say, hey, we don't need to run the football. We can do some stuff in terms of screen, quick game, whatever, you know, bubble screen, all this kind of stuff. But I do think that that's something that it's alarming. It's alarming to see that. And, and I know they run a lot of RPO, and that might be, you know, like they're reading in, in a second and 10 situation. If you do have an RPO called, even though there's a pass element to it, you're probably going to hand the ball off. And that's, there needs to be some awareness by the coaching staff that when you're doing that, that's the path you're leading the quarterback down and you're leading the offense down. And to me, that's, that's not great process. 
And I think the other thing that really stuck out to me is everyone, um, you know, people are advocates for running the football, running the football, running the football. And I'm a person of that cloth. But the running game has to be married with the pass concept. They can't be two individual things. It can't be like the run game over here, the pass game over here. They have to be meshed. And one of the reasons I believe that is because when, what he said off the air, which I think we should have got him recorded on this. but Yeah, we were, we said, were wrapping up, and then uh, we kept talking, and I was like, damn, I wish I was still recording. Yeah, and he said that, I said, oh, what about big plays? Big plays seem to be a pretty good indicator of, of offensive production. He said, the likelihood of scoring, not having a play of plus 15 yards, is 5%. Once you get up one play above 15 yards, it becomes 55% or something crazy like that. And I look yeah, at that, 55. and I say... And I look at that and I say, those excellent drives against Tampa Bay, those excellent drives against uh, the Raiders when they when this when the Commanders were being um, very productive, and I was like, this is what you get when you run the football. Those are the five percent. They're not very likely to be successful because they didn't have any explosive plays. And so, how do you manufacture those plays? You run the football, but you got play pass, you got keepers, you got stuff off of that that allows this offense to blossom and be more effective. And that's something I think we both are hoping that Carson Wentz brings to this group. Yeah, definitely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let me ask you this. As an offense, is third and seven that much different than third and ten anyway? Like the idea that you run the ball, get three yards, like are you really in that much better of a spot anyway? Like obviously it's a better, but like significantly, yeah. does that change your call sheet? Like I, I would think not until you're down to like third and three type of area. That's that's a good question. I think it depends on the coordinator. Some coordinators are like, oh, it's third and five. This is kind of our cutoff point. Some people are like, this is third and seven. This is our cutoff point. Some people are like third and eight. And I know those numbers seem completely arbitrary, but that's just the coach's preference, to be quite frank, right? Um, and so it depends. And there are certain coaches that if you can get to third and six, they're not going to run their crazy blitz package. Or you're not going to get, like uh, um, Zimmer, for example, he runs that crazy double A where you get four overloaded away from the call and it really just stretches every single protection rule you got. And he won't do that if it's less than third and eight. So if you can get in there and you're surviving and you're fighting because you don't want to see that, you don't want your backs to have to read stuff and pick stuff up, you don't want your alignment to have to double bump, all that crazy stuff, yeah, do something to get yourself out of third and ten. But that's not every DC, right? Every DC doesn't do that. And so I think that that's something to be considered. Like where that cutoff is makes a big difference. And like, so against Zimmer, yeah, maybe you run a run on second down to get yourself in third and seven. So you don't see that package. But most DCs don't have that cutoff. It's third and five. So yeah, third and seven would be the same as third and 10 for them in terms of what you're going to see in the availability of stuff. Um, now, following up where you were with, with Carson. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we hope to see a lot better production on first and second down this year. And this was kind of my biggest question with him coming in is this is an offense that likes to get the ball out quick. And obviously we, we are hoping that that comes down just a tick as in they have more big explosive plays. We just explained the importance of that. You can either score 5% of the time or more likely than not 55%. 
I would take the 55%. Taking shots seems worth it. Maybe not quite all PI offense, but, you know, <laughs> let's, uh, let's push the ball down the field vertically let's a little bit. Field, but yeah. one thing I will add, uh, and I promise that I'll, this is the longest run-on sentence that I've had, uh, at least today. Uh, but yesterday, who knows? <laughs> the point is, one other thing Warren said and, and when we were talking off the air was it doesn't have to come in air yards. Yes. It can come in run after catch and designing run after catch because San Francisco under Kyle, who has consistently had one of the best offenses, they get a ton of yard after catch. And I, as I was thinking about that, I thought of one, the accuracy that Jimmy G has in throwing and two, Kyle understands that getting the ball to the good players is the way you win football games. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think it gets way like coordinators get way off into whatever X's and O's. And it's just like, Hey, you want to be good? If you're Kyle Shanahan, get the ball to Debo Samuel. He'll, he'll figure out the yards after catch by having the ball, catching it and then doing his Debo Samuel stuff. And with Terry and now Jahan, a guy who's got some punt return shake with Curtis, like that should be way easier. But as Warren said, the biggest question with Carson and my question when he got here to bring this all back to where I was going in the first place is his accuracy. Is he mm-hmm. the guy that can get the ball quick, get it out quick and get it out accuracy, accurately in timing, in rhythm and hit the guy between the numbers so that, yeah, OK, you caught it, but there's no yards after catch there because you had to reach behind you or dive forward. Or can he actually really hit these guys in stride and let the athletes that are on the outside and in the backfield getting out, Gibson and McKissick, make plays in space and, and, and do the things that they're capable of doing? Yeah, so there's two parts to my answer. One would be I think you got to look at the Kyle Shannon offense and say like what they're doing. Kyle is excellent at scheming guys open in that short area, so that doesn't have to be a perfectly accurate throw. And what I mean by that, this is kind of maybe the simplest example, is they run so much outside zone. They run a ton of outside zone, and then they have great play actions and great kind of pick plays off of that. They're always in kind of condensed formation, so like the receivers are close to the offensive linemen, and it lends itself to kind of uh, blocking uh, defenders from getting to where they need to go and allowing you to get across formations and really stress rules, right? And so Kyle does a nice job of scheming that stuff up. And so while you want to make a one to one comparison and say, is Carson accurate enough to get these guys in a run after a catch uh, scenario? I say I'm more concerned with Scott Turner's ability to put those guys in the correct situation. To, to be in space, right? And then obviously Carson has to hit them. That's that's a given. But there is a bigger margin for error when, just as an example, you're running hard run action to the right on outside zone. Everybody and their mom is running right. And then George Kittle leaks out to the left and there's nobody there. Like I've seen Jimmy G sail that ball. George catches it and there's still not a person around him within 15 yards. And George can... George is excellent after the catch, right? Same with Debo. And so understanding how to get your guys in space off of play actions, that's how Kyle does it, right? If you look at uh, Travis Kelsey up in, uh, in, in, in Kansas City, for example, they do it formationally, right? So how do you, Scott Turner, find a way to get your guys in space? Because that's what that was the other thing he said, which I thought was interesting. Separation is maybe the biggest driver of yards after catch. And so when you watch Jahan in practice in the OTAs, Excellent separator, right? But that's him just being a, a magician on his own. Scott, how do you make that a priority in this offense? So Carson and so these guys, you mentioned Jahan Sheikh, you mentioned Terry's excellent after the catch ability, Curtis Samuel, all those guys. That to me is where I look. I, I don't look so much at Carson. While that is important, I look to Scott and say, 
this is this is a statistical relevant statistically relevant piece of information here. How do we maximize this within this offense with these guys who are these tremendous space players? Did you see that last year? And did you see it? You know, because like you, I'm always curious and asking about or cautious in a way about asking about last year because you've said watching this offense in the spring was completely yeah. different because of the stuff that becomes available because of the threat of throwing the ball downfield. So right. did you see that stuff last year, and then did you see any of it in the spring, or do you think that's that stuff we're going to be looking for big time in training camp and into the regular season because we haven't seen it yet? I think this offense is a little bit different. I, I don't think it abides by this space principle the same way. I think, I think it creates space in, just in a different way than most offenses, most – the two offenses I described, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And what I mean by that is they run like, let's just talk about like that double post to the right of the formation and a high cross coming across from the left. So double post on the right, high cross coming across on the left. And there is space in that, but it's a longer developing play. And you're kind of relying on your horses to be fast and create separation with their speed. Now you've cultivated an offense that supports that. Right, And so right. when you don't have those pieces, it becomes a little bit more challenging. So I think maybe Scott's thinking, well, now I've got these tremendously fast players. I've got these tremendously kind of explosive route runners. I can run some more of these concepts, and Carson can get the ball there with good timing, and there will be space there because of their athletic skill set. I don't see him necessarily scheming guys open the same way that, from formationally, that you know a guy like Andy Reid does, and then conceptually the same way that, Kyle does, right? And those are different offenses. There's different approaches. This offense has been very successful in the NFL for a long time, since Air Coriel in San Diego, right? But I do, I would like to see more effort on his part to kind of find ways to create easy throws as opposed to these like deep down the field, only play action, only drop back. Let's just work some pick concepts. Let's work formational tells. Let's see if we can get guys in better positions um, just by kind of doing a little bit extra study. And, um, and again, like I think Scott has put this offense in a good spot based on OTAs and minicamp. But I would, like to see, I would like to see him push that envelope more because I think there's more on the bone there. I would like to see them do that so that the defense has to practice against pick plays and practice. And then maybe, maybe for the first time in the seven years that I've been here, they'll cover one in the red zone. <laughs> that's that's probably a little harsh but it's not as harsh as people want it to be yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's seen many a picks many many a many a pickers many a picked yeah. uh all right if you want more from us at hoffman show on twitter at logan underscore paulson 82 on Instagram. I think I think after uh, my my begging and pleading in the last podcast and then cutting the video clip and sending it to you where I was begging and pleading on your Instagram, we got like a couple of people. So that was Oh no. Was nice. Dagger. Dagger. Just got to be more consistent with it. I know, I guess. I guess. Here, look at you giving me I'll, social media advice. I'll get I'll get us I'll get us plane in the sky and little like do the smoke signal. That's the that, next step. That or a billboard, you know. <laughs> seems seems easier. Uh I, I don't know. What does a billboard go for? How expensive could a billboard be? I don't know. Be? It can't there, be as much as it used to be. No. I, I also, something I've noticed, I don't think there are, like, I don't know if there's laws against it. There just aren't that many in this area. Yeah. Like, yeah. all of a sudden you go up to, like, Philadelphia and there's billboards it, everywhere. Like, I go back home to South Carolina, there's billboards everywhere. And then I get here, I'm like, wait, there's none. Not that many. Yeah. No. So maybe they're maybe very expensive they're... here. <laughs> maybe. But we'll get you one. We'll make it happen. 
Okay, excellent. All right. Uh, or <laughs> all of you listening can just follow along at Hoffman Show. Follow Logan at Logan underscore Paulson. 82 that's on instagram hoffman show is on twitter and again if you want more on the dan snyder story make sure that you check the hoffman show podcast which is now available on the odyssey app apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you are listening to this podcast we will be back i'm not sure which day next week but jordan reed's going to join us next week i think on thursday so we're really excited to have jay reed on a guy that logan played with a guy that i covered uh, obviously knows the tight end position so well and played it at a high level for a really long time so we'll talk to jordan about tight ends and, and what's been going on at that position here as well as what he's up to away from football now that he is retired and uh we'll see what else happens between now and monday uh probably mailbag monday get your questions in etc etc Logan, it is, it is July 14th, which means we are 14 days from July 28th, and that's when training camp opens. Dang, I didn't realize it was that close. Two weeks. That'll be fun. Two That'll weeks, be fun. my friend. Uh, football, football desert, it's almost over. We see the, yeah. uh, we see the oasis out there in, in, in the future. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to, to that, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week right here on Take Command.